Welcome back to Tome of Tales. Set in the Cantus Expanse, this episode is a session write-up run by Andy for the London RPG community on June 9th, 2020. The session was called Real-Time Strategy. In it, I played Cheryl the Fae-Touched, a halfling bard from the Feywild. I need a crew. Anyone free? For those who don't know me, my name is Kazafa, and I think I have a plan. The gathered adventurers all stop and turn to look at the dwarf woman who just entered the three-headed Etten. There is a kind of wildness to her that Cheryl notices is more than just the woman's hair adorned with twigs and leaves as she peers around Arcadius. The Fey Bard had flown back with Marcus, Astra and Arcadius the night before, and her morning had been a hectic one. She went to see Bibi to catch up with her on where Miliel's roar is, finding out about Nimbus's betrayal and confession, to thank her for helping to save their lives and to give her the spell scroll they had found. She had only just gotten back from her brief visit with Varys at the Crimson Fist compound, a strong cup of coffee warming her hands. Though the tears were no longer in her eyes, there was an ache in her heart she couldn't quite shake, and it made her grip the large mug tighter. Please let us get through this. I wish to see him again. You, Kazafa says, indicating Cheryl and her friends. You look like you're ready to help. Come. Without another word, she leaves the tavern. Marcus is already following her, and it is but a moment later that Cheryl also starts to head towards the door. Looks like I came back just in time. You've lost weight, my friend. Cheryl hears Arcadia stop and turn around. Who the... Oh, where have you been, my brother? Brother? Arcadius doesn't have... Cheryl sees her best friend embracing a human-looking man, dark hair and piercing blue eyes with a well-trimmed goatee, framing a familiar smile. Matthew? You're back! Cheryl exclaims, then runs back towards the man, embracing him with a warm hug. It's good to see you. Come, we should follow her. They see Kazafa leaning against the wall of a building across the street, waiting for them. With a satisfied nod, the dwarf starts telling the group, Arcadius, Marcas, Mace, Taz, Matthew, and Cheryl, that she has a devil in a cage in the hung rabbit. Marcas is keeping pace with a vibrantly dressed woman with ease, but Cheryl has to jog to keep up with them all. Once they are in the cheap, but cheerful interior of the tavern outside of Daring Heights, Kazafa leads them through the taproom to what Cheryl assumes is the dwarf's rented room, in which sits the devil in question, bound in dimensional shackles, gagged, and in a cage. Kazafa turns to them. Zariel has been holding her cards very close to her chest. <laughs> 
Did you all notice how the portal did not open right away after the breaking of the third seal? This means Zeriel controls the opening and closing of it. Kazafa gives the group a scrutinizing look. I take it you were also the young ones that helped keep the second seal safe. Yes, we were, Cheryl replies. Good work. It certainly made the portal unstable, and it is probably part of the reason why it cannot be opened very wide, or for very long, at the moment. I need you to help me figure out how Zeriel is controlling it, though. She turns towards her captive, who is glaring daggers at her. Kazafa doesn't seem phased at all, and Cheryl admires her tenacity. Looking back at them, she asks, Do any of you know what she is? They all shake their heads. She's a Narzagon, also known as a Hell Knight. Something dawns on Cheryl with a horrible, stark realization. This is what Varys would have been when he was in the house. Kazava continues. I need you to go into her mind to find out where Zeriel is keeping the control for the portal. She knows, and I would do it myself, but it requires more than just one person to do it properly. Have any of you done anything like this before? I have, Cheryl replies, though that time it was into the soul of an elven child. Ah, the dwarf druid sighs with a smile. Excellent. So you will have someone with you who knows what to expect. Good. Normally this takes a whole long ritual with mushrooms and incense and a bunch of other mumbo-jumbo, but... Kasifo pulls out a large bottle and several shot glasses from a bag. I have made this instead. Much quicker this way. Now, gather round. She explains the basics of how the potion will work, and that if they died in the devil's mind, they would be catatonic. It would then be very hard, nearly impossible, for them to get out. The further up and further in you go, the better access you will have to find the answers we need in order to plan the best strategy. And when you're ready to leave, she glances at Cheryl. You can cast Sending to let me know. Cheryl nods the affirmative. Before even finishing the gesture, Arcadius and Taz have downed their shots, already falling unconscious before their heads come to rest against the floor or wall. Everyone follows suit, Mace taking particular care to grab the pillow from Kazifa's bed. One moment, Cheryl's ocean blue eyes were seeing the cramped space of the room. The next, she was sputtering purple water from her mouth as she tried to stay afloat in a chaotic, roiling sea. She sees Marcus pull himself up out of the water and then proceed to walk towards the shore they could see 80 feet or so away. Cheryl shakes her head and calls out after him, Show off! before breaking into a front crawl to try to follow. It's slow going, but they all get there in the end, Taz helping Arcadius a little as her friend's wings seem to be adding some level of hindrance to his swimming capabilities. Stepping out of the water, they are all instantly dry. This strikes Cheryl as odd, 
different than the last time she did something like this. She takes stock of their surroundings. In the elf child's soul, she had been walking through memories and past lives in which only certain things were clearly defined. Here, everything she sees before her is solid. This is definitely not a soul walk. Rising ahead of them is a 60-foot-high gated wall with colossal horned and armored devil statues that scan the shore. Marcas offers to sprint towards the gate, as he is the quickest out of everyone, with guidance from Arcadius when he goes. They wait for the half-elf to return, and when he does, Marcas shows Arcadius some infernal writing he found on the gate. Eternal Vigilance. Hmm. The tiefling reads, Does anyone recognize it? Cheryl thinks it relates to some deity, but can't figure out which one. She sees Matthew get struck with an idea, but doesn't say anything to the others. Instead, they focus on the task at hand, getting to the gate. As they were thinking about the phrase, one of the colossal statues moves, stepping out of the alcove it was standing sentry in. They all freeze, holding their breath. It moves towards the tracks Marcus left behind, examining them with care. Cheryl feels her heart thudding loudly against her ribs and hopes the statue cannot hear it. It doesn't seem to think to look towards them, though, as it gets up and heads back to its post. The moment its back is turned, they all run, Cheryl attempting to get a head start before the others because she knows she will be left behind with her small gate. A surprised tap on her back suddenly sees her moving with a burst of speed, and in the next moment, she is with Marcas at the gate. How did... What? Wait, this is... She looks down at her legs and feels the vibrating energy within her. Barely containing her excitement, she says to Marcas, Is this how it's like being you? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> this is amazing! The others manage to get there avoiding the gaze of the two statues, barely. Cheryl pulls out a long metal rod to use on the gate when Marcas steps back and then runs up the wall. Show off, she thinks with a smile and shake of her head, putting the chime of opening away. Taz starts climbing, finding footholds where there should be none. Arcadius flies up, whilst Matthew pulls out a rope and waits for it to snake its way up to tie itself to one of the metal spikes at the top. Whilst the others look to see what lay beyond, Cheryl and Mace grab hold of the climbing rope, and with Matthew's help, they join the others above. Before them lay a grey, featureless city, expertly planned out. To Cheryl, it looked like it should be a real place rather than just a representation of someone's mind. But that was more a feeling she got rather than any true knowledge she had with regards to these mind-delving walks she has gone on. In the distance, she sees a strong, imposing, dark grey castle with five towers, four of which are painted red, one of them blue. 
Arcadius and Matthew have already made their way down to the other side. Mace and Matthew were discussing how to get down, when Cheryl casually steps forward and off the gate without a second thought. Her ring of featherfall activates and slowly, carefully, lowers her down to the ground. It's an interesting sensation, dropping without the fear of hurting oneself. Still, it doesn't beat flying, she thinks, and once more wishes she had her own wings. She goes over to Marcas, wondering what has caught the monk's attention, and notices the streets aren't as empty as they first seemed. Featureless grey figures that pay them no mind as they walk down the street pass her by like ghosts. Cheryl quickens her pace to Marcus's side. Once there, she sees the half-elf is looking at row upon row upon row of shelves filled with glass figurines, all very finely made. It is at this point she hears something being smashed some distance away. Should we investigate that? Marcas asks the others. I'll go. Arcadius offers and flies up to get a better view. Mace comes over to the shelves, picking up one of the statues to examine it. Arcadius flies back down and tells them he sees a clear path towards the castle, but there is a figure in jet black armor covering gleaming white scales destroying the figurines on the shelves a couple of blocks away. Out of the corner of her eye, Cheryl sees Mace lift his arm up. It takes her a moment to realize what his intent is, but Arcadius's hand flashes out to stop him. What did I say earlier about picking up random things, Menace? I just think if we want to get that thing's attention, we might want to do what they're doing. Mace counters. A glint in his eyes. Casifa said to get further in. If we want answers, we won't find them out here. It's going to be in there, Cheryl says, pointing toward the castle. We really should. A swirl of threatening black, and then an imposing figure appears at the end of the street. They all freeze, but Marcas, who starts to step forward, and the figure turns towards them. Matthew is quicker to act, though, running forward to unleash his necrotic shroud and drawing two long blades. Cheryl, not sure if this is the only representation of the Narzagon within this mind, decides to hold a spell but can only get so close to the figure before Marcas dashes forward. He unleashes a flurry of hits with his fists that stuns the Dark Knight. A superimposed image of the Hell Knight still manages to look at Marcas. Guilty! You have disrupted my order! Now you must perish! The others continue to mercilessly attack, but something is nagging at the back of Cheryl's mind. Maybe an unwanted caution, but she decides to lose the spell she was holding and instead shout a warning to her friends. We don't want to kill her! We still need to find what we came here for! Thankfully, Marques takes her advice and inspiration and non-lethally takes out the knight. As the body hits the ground, 
It slowly starts to dissipate. A few moments later, they all hear glass smashing a few streets away. Now can we focus on getting to the castle, please? Cheryl asks them. Last one to the castle is a rotten egg, Matthew says from behind her. She was about to protest, but once again she feels a burst of hasted magic course through her. And she realizes it was Matthew who gave her the speed last time, too. Not wanting to be left behind, Cheryl races the Asimar, Half-Elf, and her flying tiefling friend to the castle gates, whilst Taz and Mace take a slower approach. Eventually, all meet up without issue in the castle's courtyard. Cheryl is once again struck by how this place feels more like a representation of a real place, possibly from the Nazagon's previous life, but it is not a place she would recognize. Matthew is staring at the five towers, looking between them with a furrowed brow. These towers, those colors. I think this person was once a paladin of Helm, the Watcher. He looks at Cheryl and the others. My guess is if we're going to find anything, it will be in that tower there, he says, pointing to the shortest of the five towers painted blue. They agree and start to make their way in. The castle is still, silent, the only sounds coming from their soft steps. Cheryl sees more grey figures, all clearly dead with great swords or other mighty weapons impaling them. It's Marcas and Matthew that point out they have been stabbed in the back, whilst Mace and Arcadius note they all have a similar uniform. This is more than just a memory. Maybe someone should keep an eye behind us, just in case. Marcas suggests. Mace offers and falls to the back of the group as they continue to wend their way through the castle to where they hope they will find the stairs that will take them up to the top of the blue tower. Further up and further in. Just as they find the stairs leading up the blue tower, Mace asks them quietly, Uh, guys? Did you hear that? Cheryl shakes her head but some of the others look at him, nodding hesitantly. It sounds like... He trails off as they all see a torrent of blood wash around the corner down the corridor, heading straight towards them. Marcas leaps into action, parkouring up the stairs three or four at a time. May scrambles a little, being the farthest back and thus closest to the rushing blood. But either what he mumbles to himself doesn't actually work, or he is too panicked to make a rash decision and stumbles, falling behind. Arcadius perceives the best place for him to fly up, but like Mace, Taz struggles trying to gain his footing and just runs up the stairs. Not wanting to leave her friends behind, Cheryl sings out a note, a call that helps the tiefling and the red dragonborn find their footing getting them back up and moving, whilst she focuses on staying ahead of the torrent herself. Matthew, deciding another form would be better, polymorphs into a giant ape 
and starts climbing his way up the spiral stairs. Their ascent up the tower is quick, even without anyone being hasted, but they barely keep ahead of the blood. Cheryl is pulling out her chime of opening, knocking it against the hilt of her sword and pointing it at the door, their only exit. It flies open and they all pile on through in a mess of tangled limbs and crushed bodies. Once they have all squeezed through the single opening, Taz promptly slams the door shut. Why did it have to be blood? Matthew asks, panting as he shifts back into his normal form. What would you rather be chased by? Bees? Just... The bard waves a hand. Anything other than blood. Well, I thought it was fun. Marcus half smiles. Of course you would. You're a specimen. Mace criticizes, his voice a little deeper. Marcus looks chastened. Cheryl, shaking her hair to fall back into place down her back, speaks up. Well, of course you are, Marcus. Have you seen yourself? You are quite nice to look at. Heck, all of you are. A right fine selection of specimens with various talents and special skills that you all excel at. <laughs> she winks and smiles, but it drops as quickly as it came, her mind focusing back on the task at hand. Stepping forward, Cheryl sees the room is very Spartan, almost bare with how little there is. What she mistook to be part of the room, at a first glance, is actually a kneeling figure and she starts a little when she realizes this. Moving closer, she sees the scales of a white dragonborn, clad in dull armor that once must have been lustrous in life. Her sword point is down, piercing into the floor, whilst her sky-blue eyes are looking out to the gray city below. Coming up beside the dragonborn paladin, Cheryl looks back at the others. Matthew nods in encouragement. Marcas comes closer and rests his hand on his katana. Mace comes up to the other side of the paladin, whilst Taz stands close to the half-elf, and Arcadius hangs back. Keeping her voice soft, Cheryl says, You watch what goes on outside that window. You know what is going on here, don't you? I... Oh, the figure responds, voice hushed from disuse. I do, though I, in the greater sense, have long abandoned the cause. Her voice getting deeper, a bit firmer, but no less kind, Cheryl asks, Do you think there could be room for assistance from others who would lend a hand to a good cause? That's how I started all of this. I saw a city besieged. I thought I could help. And I did for a long time. Until. There's a pause. I stood on the walls and I looked out. Always looking out for threats from beyond. But it wasn't the threats from beyond that took my city. It was corruption from within. And that 
you cannot guard against. One of her white-clawed hands comes off her sword and slowly gestures down towards the city below. Cheryl can see the black-armored version of the paladin darting around the city, smashing more of those glass figurines. And so I turned and began to not just watch for danger, but expunge all traces of corruption, greed, anything from the city I lived in. Up here, I still try to serve Helm in my way. Down there, she serves Bane. What of the corruption within yourself? Cheryl asks, raising an eyebrow. Oh yes, the paladin says, a tinge of sadness to the timbre of her voice. The white scales of her face softly glisten as she shifts her sky-blue gaze to Cheryl. The Fey Bard notices she does not have any horns. I am fully aware, but I am the littlest finger of the hand. I hold on to maintain the vigil as best as I can. But you know as well as I do that I am not even real. You are here, in front of me. The expression on Cheryl's face shifts and softens as she finally feels a connection with the person at the heart of this consciousness. The smallest of creatures can have the most potent of powers. Look at me, she says, resting a hand on her chest. I am small, compared to those with me. That does not mean I cannot do good in the name of whatever god I believe in. For you, it is Helm. Her words connect with the paladin, and she starts to chuckle, shoulders rolling back as her muscles stretch, and she stands up. Cheryl swears she can feel the ache of the dragonborn's joints in her own knees, ankles, and hips. The mighty figure looks down at the small woman, and she begins to see the true reflection of the person the paladin was before she fell. What do you wish of me? They ask for the information they need. What is Zeriel using to control the portal? How is it being powered? Where is the power source located? Since death in service to tyrants I have, or rather, the greater I have been cursed, or part of me feels blessed, to serve the Archduke of Helm eternally. And I have served well, I suppose one might say. All the good I ever did in my early days has been wiped out more times than one should even have to count. If I can, in some small way, counteract anything I have done, then I will tell you in exchange for one favor. Name it. End me, the Dragonborn says fiercely. Do not let this body continue to serve the Hells for a second longer. But your soul will. 
Cheryl starts, but stops herself as she sees the look on the paladin's face. The Fey Bard nods. Of course. I think that's the lesser evil, shall we say? Marcas kindly reminds her. A wish easily granted. Mace says ruthlessly. Perhaps a little less vicious and a little more kind than that menace. Arcadius chides. Mace shoots him a very dark look and even hisses before turning back to the dragonborn paladin. We will give you an honorable death. Marcas adds, trying to calm the situation and bring it back to the point. There is one more thing I would like to know from you. Taz says, your name, if you wouldn't mind. Ah, my name. The dragonborn looks to her brethren and then away. I have served the hells for centuries, so I doubt you will ever find anyone who ever knew me. But in life, my name was Voxus. Your sacrifice will not be forgotten. Matthew says, bowing his head slightly towards Voxus. She describes a great tower that flies across the plains of Avernus. Inside the Archduke's seat of power, there is an area that is off-limits to everyone but Zeriel herself, indicated by blue trim around the archways in the lower section of the tower. Though Voxus had never been in this restricted section herself, she has heard it referenced as a great power, an elemental power, but it is difficult to control and manage. I know that is where Zeriel went in her tower just before the portal opened on the material plane. How do we enter the tower? Tell us now, Mace says, again with a viciousness that Cheryl marks this time. Please, she adds, trying to soften the request with a pointed look to Mace. Voxus tells them about the main gangway, which is only accessible when the tower stops, as that was the way she used when she would enter. She briefly mentions a pipeway that is used to suck souls up into it. But I would not recommend that route, Voxus says with a shudder. We thank you for all this information, Cheryl says with a kind smile. Is there anything else? I don't think there is any... Oh. Voxus's gaze suddenly goes distant. I... I think I know. I'm here. Cheryl finally hears the gurgling sound which had been going on in the background, just outside the door they had come through, suddenly stop. Everyone tenses to listen. It's not hard to hear the distinct sound of metal boots clanking, as what could only be an army of the Black Knight version of Voxus comes rushing up the spiral stairs of the tower. Cheryl is instantly casting sending to Kazapa and stepping away from Voxus whilst Marcas, Mace, Matthew and Taz all step up to the White Dragonborn Paladin. She doesn't even lift her greatsword, just letting the end come as Cheryl watches her friends keep their word to her and end her life. With the last stroke of their weapons, Voxus's spirit becomes smoke, no body remaining. Over here, guys! Arcadia shouts to them as he steps through a doorway. 
Cheryl can see herself on the other side, and she runs towards it, Matthew and Marcus close behind her, Taz and Mace already ahead. <gasps> oh! I was just about to bring you back, Kazafa says above Cheryl. The dwarf woman looks around and sees the others stirring. But you managed to find your own way. Great. So, what did you learn? We'll tell you, but first... Marcus starts and stands up, drawing his katana. Cheryl gets up too, and they all look at the thrashing form of the Narzagon, a madness and rage in her eyes. A word once given. The body melts away, and it's just the seven of them in the room. They tell Kazifo what Vox has told them about Zeriel's tower, how to get in, where to go, and what might be powering it. It needs power on both sides, the wild-looking dwarf says, brow furrowed in thought. Blood ritual on the material plane, elemental power on Avernus. If we take out the elemental power source, we win. Portal closes, they can't open it again, not easily, and certainly not without doing a whole bunch of other steps to set it all back up again. She's keeping it in her tower because she thinks it's protected there. But towers can fall, Cheryl says, a wicked glint to her eyes. Well, this tower flies, and though you're right, it can indeed fall. It would be a tricky thing. But we could send a strike force into the tower, Arcadius offers. Kazafa raises a finger and nods her head towards Arcadius. Now here's the thing. In order to give those people a shot at taking that out, you're dealing with the fact that Zeriel is one of the finest tacticians in the universe. No, in the multiverse, in any plane. She is brilliant, but I have played a game or two myself. Kazafa smirks and wiggles her eyebrows at them. Now, I think we should get the armies of Kulgoran, of Daring Heights, and everyone we've got and we charge. Actually, that would be great. Her eyes light up, whilst Cheryl's eyes narrow slightly. Did either of you lock up the second seal? We were part of the group that found it in the Feywild. But there was another group that took it somewhere else, somewhere safe, Cheryl says, thinking she knows where this is leading. Kazafa grins. If we want the portal to be big enough for our army to go through in one go, we need to break the second seal. The Fae Bard finishes, shaking her head in disbelief. You are kidding me! Arcadius interjects. Kazifa raises her hands. We'll see, we'll see. That one's up for debate, okay? She says and shrugs. Cheryl doesn't buy it, though. But that would be a nice way to control the timing ourselves. It would be, yes. Cheryl agrees, reluctantly. Risky, but no risk, no gain. Her stomach is in knots, but even she can see how it would help their plan. If the plan would even work. Either we do that or we don't. Either way, we invade. We descend into Avernus. But that is the main push. We also need a distraction. Because if Zariel is trying to figure out what's going on, 
She's going to figure out that you are sending people for the thing in the tower. She looks up and taps her chin in thought for a moment. We can send some people after that. I think they're going to be fine. But we need a distraction for Zeriel. And we have a lot of very powerful people with you and your friends. Cheryl's eyes dart over to Marcus briefly as she answers. Yes, we do. I think we send a strike team after Zeriel herself. Cheryl feels like the wind has been knocked out of her. There is a vacuum of silence in the room. So, some of you stay with the army and help them. Some of you will face Zeriel, so that she thinks the army is the feint for the attack against her. But that's the second feint, because there's a third force going around the back to get in that tower to take out that power source and put a stop to all of this. I think Cheryl starts, her voice shaky, but getting steady as she goes. That sounds like a solid plan. Kazafa nods. I think that could work. It's a lot of moving parts, Arcadius insisted, eyes wide but determined. Almost like a game of dragon chess, Cheryl murmured. She was remembering earlier in the day, the brief conversation she had, thinking of her face with a small, sad smile tugging at the corner of lips that don't smile often. But when they do... There are going to be a lot of casualties. Marcus's voice breaks across her thoughts, shattering them like glass. But I can't think of a better way to manage it. The druid stands up. If we do nothing, the amount of casualties will equal entire populations in the multiverse. Cheryl feels her heart ticking like a bomb in a birdcage, the sound loud to her ears. Brace yourself. I'm going to make a lot of arrangements with a lot of people very quickly. Have a rest. Kazafa looks down at Cheryl. Prepare yourself. Her eyes flick from one friend to the next, and then the next. Because shit's about to hit the fan, offers Arcadius. <laughs> yes, that's the very phrase. If you need to do anything, now is the time. Because we are about to invade hell. This has been a write-up of the session, Real-Time Strategy, run by Andy, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign run by the London RPG community. Marcas Vernala was voiced by Alex Allen. Interested in playing games with us? Want to find a place to run some games? Check out the meetup events and join us on Discord. All the links are in the description. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for the next chapter in Cheryl's story.